So I heard recently that the Massachusetts Turnpike Authority had an issue. They found a bunch of dead crows on the road. And they were concerned that maybe these crows had uh, avian flu. And so they called in an expert. Uh, uh, a bird pathologist came in, did some testing and everything. And what he found, that all these crows had something in common. They had paint on their noses and on their claws. And it turns out all these crows died, over 200 of them, from hitting vehicles on the roads. And so they were thinking maybe that they, you know, had gone down to eat some roadkill and couldn't get up in time and a vehicle hit them. And on further investigation, what they found out is that 98% of these, after they analyzed the paint, it was paint off of big trucks, 18-wheel trucks. Only 2% had been hit by cars. And so they were trying to figure out why they were getting hit by trucks more than getting hit by cars. They called in another expert, and he did some analyzing, and he was a bird expert, and he knew about the behavior of birds. Turns out that when crows go down to eat roadkill, they always have a lookout bird that sets up in the tree. And what they found is that the bird could warn them when a car was coming, Caw! Caw! But when a truck was coming, they couldn't find any birds that could say, Truck! Truck! And so the warning didn't work for trucks. You know, it's always good when we're in danger to have a warning, right? I mean, we, we, we want to be warned when something's going to happen. There's a warning in the Bible, and this particular warning comes by the Apostle Peter right after he preached the first gospel sermon in Acts chapter 2. And he preached that day and uh, preached a sermon. Uh, there were people that believed some 3,000 people were baptized that day. They, they asked him after he preached a sermon, said, what must we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. And, and 3,000 people listened to that. But as he concluded his message, the Bible says in Acts 2.40, with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. A corrupt generation. You know, we, we live in a corrupt generation. And it's getting more and more so as we go about our lives. Uh, Jesus warned. He, he called it a wicked and adulterous generation in Matthew 16, 4. In Matthew 17, 17, he called it an unbelieving and perverse generation. In Philippians 2.15, the Apostle Paul called it a warped and corrupted generation. Now, when they use the word generation, they're not talking about a specific age group, but rather the culture, the society that they lived in. Uh, these men of prominence in our faith called it warped and crooked and unbelieving and perverse and adulterous and wicked and corrupt. We live in a in a culture that could be called that same thing. And that's part of why Jesus came to earth. Because the generations were so corrupt. And they needed saving. They were lost. And they needed to be found. And Jesus came. And when Jesus came, what Jesus did was he called 12 apostles to go and start the church. 
to be the people that were redeemed by God, the people that were saved by God. And as Jesus was preparing to go up to heaven after he had been crucified, buried, and risen from the dead, he met with his apostles and he commissioned them to start the church and to go and take the message of the gospel to the world. There's a passage we're going to look at today. It's known as the Great Commission. It's the marching orders for those apostles. Today we're going to continue our series we started on January 1st. It's called Engage. And it's about our three-year plan that we've come up with. You have a brochure in your Bible. Go ahead and take that brochure out and we'll look at that uh, as we go throughout this message today. And we'll break it down a little bit. But this is our three-year plan and we're, we're, we're going to dig in a little bit, and we're going to help you see over the next few weeks the biblical basis for what we're trying to do in this three-year plan. Now, the question comes up is, what does engage have to do with the Great Commission? The short answer to that is everything. Because it's what Jesus told us to do as the church, and we'll see that in just a minute. I'd like you to turn to the inside cover and look at that right-hand panel in that. And at the top of it, it says, what is Engage? Engage is our three-year strategic plan in 2023. Our leadership chose the word Engage for various reasons. We want, first of all, our church family to engage their next steps with Jesus. That is, wherever you're at in your walk with Jesus, we want you to engage that and begin to grow. Secondly, to engage our community with the love of Christ. We want to, as we grow, we want to take that love that we should develop out to our community. Thirdly, to engage and disciple the next generation. You know, we're, we're going to learn more today, but we are losing the next generation uh, from the church. So how did we get here? Since last spring, over 50 people across all generations have participated in the development of Engage. We sought to answer important questions like, what, where are we as a church? What's, our next, uh, what's next for our church? And how do we get there? Following many meetings and conversations and much prayer, we began to focus on three kingdom-worthy targets. Discipleship, reaching the lost, and children we're at the heart of Jesus' ministry. And that's going to be at the heart of our ministry going forward in this engaged plan. We'll come back to this in just a minute. But, uh, uh, you know, so keep that handy as we go through this message. Uh, you know, we want, we want to be relevant for God in this generation. I love the passage in Acts chapter 13, verse 36, where it talks about King David who was the greatest leader that the Hebrew people, the Jewish people ever had. And in that verse it says, David served God's purpose in his generation. He served God's purpose. I would love nothing more than for God to be able to look at our church and say, that church, Central Christian Church, it served God's purpose in its generation. And that's what we want to try to do. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to look at verse 16 through 20 today. Uh, Matthew, of course, was present when Jesus gave these words that he's going to give. We call this a great commission. 
Uh, it's not in the original writings of the Bible called that, but that's what the leaders of the church have come to call it over the years because it's the instructions that commissioned the apostles to go and do what they did. Of course, Matthew was there when Jesus first uttered those words. We're going to start at verse 16 because it sets the context. But really, the commission is in verse 19 and 20. Jesus, just to let you know the situation, Jesus had risen from the dead. He had been buried. He had been risen from the dead. And now he told the apostles to meet him uh, in Galilee. And he met them there. And this is what took place. Verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, that is probably Mount Arbel in Galilee, where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Today we're going to kind of break that down a little bit. You know, when Jesus comes and he says, listen guys, I'm going to, I'm going to usurp my authority here a little bit. I'm going to give you some instructions. We should pay attention. Because Jesus had the authority to send those apostles out and to guarantee their success, and he sends them, and I want you to notice what he says. The most important part of what he said is this, make disciples of all nations. That's the force of this verse. That's the main verb in this verse. Make disciples. Jesus' main point is to make disciples. If you look at that passage, if you know anything about grammar, you break it down, that is the main verb, to make disciples. Now, Jesus says uh, that, that verb is also in what they call the imperative tense. Uh, any English scholars in here today? I don't see any hands being raised. Good, then I won't have anybody challenge me after it's over. Imperative tense means a command, an urgency. You know how we signify that in the English language? We put an exclamation point at the end. They didn't have uh, those, those kind of grammatical to, uh, tools in that day, but the tense of that verb showed that it was in imperative tense. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm telling you guys, you've got to do this. You've got to make disciples. It was a command. And then he told them, and all the disciples you make, teach them to do what I'm commanding you to do. So he was to, they were to command the ones they taught to make disciples, and they were to command the ones they taught to make disciples, and on and on, all the way down to us. We have been commanded by Jesus to make disciples. That's a big reason for why the church is here. Now, what is a disciple? A disciple in the Bible is a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. A devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And a, 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 generally speaking, a disciple is a student 
who sits under the teaching of a particular uh, uh, teacher and he mimics the teaching and the ways of that particular teacher. Jesus is calling us to follow him in his ways and in his teaching and what he has commanded us. And he gives us two words there to really help us understand how to do that. Uh, these words are participles in the English grammar. Bapti baptism and teaching are those two words. And so what, what Jesus is saying is that, first of all, you make a disciple by baptizing them. Now, there has to be some teaching, just like Peter did on the day of Pentecost. You, you want to bring people to a knowledge that Jesus is the one they need to follow, that He is the Christ, that He is the Son of the living God, and they are baptized. That is a, a commitment that you make to follow Jesus. It is bringing somebody into the fellowship of the church. It also is done to wash away sins. In Acts 2.38, uh, after Peter preached that gospel sermon, and they said, what must we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. Over in, uh, in Acts chapter 22, verse 16, uh, the apostle Paul had been... Uh, he wasn't the Apostle Paul yet, but he had been opposed to Christianity and was persecuting Christians. But he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he got saved, and he committed his life to Christ. And uh, Christ sent Ananias to him to, to help lead him in the proper way. And Ananias came and met with Paul and told him, Get up and be baptized. Wash your sins away. You know, we live in a world that needs this. A world that needs to know Jesus, that needs to know the forgiveness of sins that Jesus offers. And then Jesus said to teach them. There's some teaching that goes on before baptism, but the majority of the teaching will come after. You don't have to know everything there is to know about Christ and what He wants you to do to become a follower of Him. In fact, you will never learn everything. Teaching is discipleship, and discipleship is a lifelong journey where we learn what Christ wants, and He guides us as we go throughout our lives. You know, I, I want you to take out this brochure once again and, and look at it, and we're going to open it up to the inside, and you'll see there are three panels there. Uh, engage Jesus, engage Bristol, and engage the next generation. Now, this is just a brief overview of our plan, but it's something that you can have in your hand, and I would encourage you to bring it back with you each week and take notes in it even and, and look at it, and you'll come, if you do that, to understand our plan for the future of our church. On the 29th, you're going to get a, a longer plan, a more comprehensive plan. This is sort of the, the, the how we're going to do this, uh, the, the bigger plan will be the what we're going to do. And on the 29th, we'll hand that out in the morning service. And then that night, we're going to have a dessert fellowship afterwards where you can come and participate. And we'll go through that in more detail. And you can ask questions and eat a lot of desserts. And we have a sign-up list. We, we need a bunch of people to bring some desserts for that night because we want to have a good crowd here. And even if you can't bring a dessert, we want you to come. And we want you to learn more about the detail of the plan. 
But today I want you to just look at, at this first panel right now that says engage Jesus because that is about discipleship. And that's our first target is discipleship. And it says we will engage Jesus. We want every believer at Central to follow Jesus, be discipled, and disciple another person. Now, there's not going to come a point in your life when you're going to say, I've been discipled enough. I don't need to be discipled anymore. You're always going to need to be discipled. But the more mature you get, you should be able to disciple another person and help another person who doesn't know Jesus to come to know Him. And three words underneath this that are important to this. Together, grow, and multiply. And over the next few weeks, I'll be explaining each of those. But today, I just want to go through those briefly together. And each of these words underneath it, there is a fact, there is what Jesus taught, and then what's in it for us. And the first word together, discipleship, does not happen alone. That's, that's a fact. You need to have someone you can ask questions of and someone that you can, you can uh, answer questions for. So that discipleship, the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Um, so it doesn't happen, happen alone. Jesus put emphasis on the relationship. In fact, Jesus said the most important commandment is to love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Uh, love is not something you do from a distance. Love is something you do. It's an action word that we do together. And so we want to come together and learn more about the love of Jesus together. That means we need to walk with each other in our spiritual journey. That's why we will engage Jesus together. Second word, grow. Healthy things grow. If you have healthy plants in your house, they grow. If you have healthy kids in your house, they grow. Healthy things grow. Spiritual growth is essential in God's kingdom. And Jesus calls every believer to take their next step in experiencing a deep and full life in his footsteps so we can grow spiritually. We seek to do this with one another in discipleship groups. And this year we're going we're gonna to plant more and more small groups where people can get together to help people be discipled and to help people grow. And really, we need you to be part of a group somewhere. And maybe you'll be, uh, it may be at the church, it may be in a home, but we're going to expand the number of groups that we have to get more people coming together uh, to grow. And then multiply. Jesus sent his disciples to go and multiply, to make disciples. We believe that every disciple has a deeper purpose in God's story. At Central, we desire to multiply disciples, leaders, and groups so that the gospel expands exponentially. That's a big fancy word. It just means it takes off. It grows. And we want to multiply what we do here at Central. We're going to get more intentional about that as we go forward. So Jesus didn't just say make disciples either. Look at what he said. Go. And make disciples. Go means you have to do something. It's another one of those participles. Jesus calls us to make disciples as we go about our lives. You know, a participle is a modifying word. It modifies the making disciples. It says to go and make disciples. That means we have to get active. It could actually be translated, 
going, make disciples. Or as you go, make disciples. And Jesus wanted the original 12 to make disciples as they went about their lives. And he wants us to do the same. Uh, they wound up taking the gospel to the whole world at that time. And that's part of the duty of the church now, is to reach people with the gospel message of Jesus. Now, how do we make disciples? Well, there's no one specific way you do that. But your part in it is determined by who you are and how you live your life. It may be that you go out and you share Jesus with somebody. Or maybe you invite somebody to church. Or you live a life that honors Jesus openly and publicly. And people see how you're living and they say, you know, I want to be like them. I want some of what they got. And we let people see that there's something different in our lives. We do it by loving other people and acting in loving ways, by praying with people and letting people see when we have trouble, how we handle it, how we trust the Lord to guide us and direct us. It's contagious when people see us living our lives and we become vocal about what our faith is in. And our target here is our community. If you look at the second panel, it says engage Bristol. Our target, our community. We will engage Bristol in our community. We will want every believer to engage an unchurched person and build a friendship with them so that Jesus is shared within three years. That's not too big a goal. To ask all of our people, find somebody that doesn't know Jesus and make a friend of them and help them get to know Jesus. Can you do that in three years? Seems pretty possible, doesn't it? So that's what we want to try to do. Now you'll say, well, I don't know where to start. We're going to work on giving you training and opportunities so that you individually can reach other people. We do that by love, by serve, and share. You know, God showed his love to each of us through Jesus. And Jesus commands his followers to love one another just as he loved, John 15. We want to love Bristol with our hearts and minds and hands. Think about that. Your heart your heart, your head, your hands. We want to use those. We get Jesus in here, it comes out through here, and it comes out through our hands. And we love other people. We serve. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. That's his words. He said that. Uh, disciples follow Jesus' example by pouring their lives out in service for others. We will serve by going to the community and meeting needs while also hosting life-changing events. We're, we're going to, in the coming months, we are going to figure out ways that we can get into the community and we'll set up ways that you can go and help serve the city of Bristol. Maybe at the school. It may be at a park. Who knows where it will be? We're going to find ways and we're going to seek out ways that we can go as a church and we can make a difference and an impact on somebody's life. We're going to serve. Uh, we're, we're going to host events here where we will serve people that they can come to our church and come to know Jesus Christ. And then we're going to share. You know, everybody's got a story to share. Everybody's got a story about how they came to know Jesus was their Savior. And we want to help you with that. And Jesus wants you to use your story to make a difference in the life of someone around you. We want to equip every believer at Central to tell their story and share the impact God has made 
in their life. And the truth is, uh, there is a, a, on our website, there's going to be a place where you can go. I think it's at cccbristol.com slash share, and you will be able to share your story or a story about how you shared Jesus with somebody, and you'll we'll be able to track those here at the church and maybe even I'll use some of them in a sermon if you give me permission, not without your permission. But we want to reach Bristol with this gospel message and we want to learn to share our stories. Now, Jesus didn't stop with the go part either. Target, he said, teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. That is discipleship. That's what discipleship is, it's teaching. And the, and the largest undiscipled group is under 40 years old. You know, there's, there's all kinds of statistics out there. You can find these on the internet. Uh, I was reading just this week, back in 2008, they did a survey, sociologists did a survey to find out the religiosity of America. And what they found is that the number of people who said they had no religious affiliation, they're called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, they have no religious affiliation, went up to 15%. In 1990, it had been only 8%. But by 2008, it was up to 15%. That's almost double the number of people in America that say they have no re religious affiliation. This article went on to say, that uh, in 2021, they did a survey, and of those that are 19 to 20, or 18 to 29 years old, 29% are in the nuns category that have no religious affiliation. The church is losing a whole generation of people. That's three out of 10 people that have no religious affiliation, and it's going to get worse unless the church does something to reach the younger generations. And if they don't come to Christ, their kids are not going to come to Christ. And they will be lost with no hope. And we want to get out and do that. Another article I saw said that the spirituality of people, though, is on the rise. Well, if they're not affiliated with religion, how are they becoming more spiritual? They're getting into things like uh, ghost and, and new age spirituality and in many cases they're just making up their own God to worship what would happen if the young people of America came to know the one true God of the Bible how would we change our culture if we reached out and brought Jesus to a culture that is going to hell what would it be like We've got to do our part as a church. The Bible says God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And to be honest with you, there's so many young people that don't have a clue what the truth of Jesus is, what the gospel is. And how can they know unless the church goes and teaches and takes the message out to the community? We want to connect with people and engage people so they come to know the Jesus that we know. If you look at your pamphlet, the last panel, engage the next generation. 
Target number three, the next generation. We will engage the next generation. We want every believer at Central to invest time and talent and our treasure in the next generation. And we're going to do that by connecting and investing and then entrusting. And we're going to, we'll say more about each of these. There's going to be a sermon on each of these ideas in the very near future. we got to connect with people. You know what's really neat is I've, I've been here now 11 years, and it's been really neat because I've watched a whole group of kids that were in the children's department or in the youth department grow up. You know, those that were 10 years old are now 21 years old. And some of those kids, I've seen them grow up and graduate high school and go to college. And what's really neat is when one of those kids stays with the church or they go to another church because they moved away to college and they get involved and there have been several. But what's really sad is when I see a kid that grew up in the church and I run into them and they're a grown adult now and I say, where are you going to church? Ah, oh, we don't have time for that. We don't need church. We don't go to church anymore. It breaks my heart. And we're just letting them do it. And we're not trying to do anything about it. And we have got to engage this generation to help keep them as part of Christ's church. Psalm 78, 4 says, We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power, and the wonders He has done. We've got to help people really believe in that. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope you have. You know, hope is something that people, all people need. And we have the hope of Jesus Christ. And we know how to find that hope. Because we know what happens when people get the hope of Jesus. As our motto says, hope changes everything. And we want to be a church that believes that and brings that to the community. You know, I read th just this week about two organizations. Uh, one of them was called Blockbuster, and one of them was called Netflix. At one time, two huge companies. And Blockbuster had 9,000 stores in America where they rented videos. Both of these companies... Their, their goal was to get videos into your home so you could watch videos at home on your television or on your computer. And they both had the same goal. Blockbuster built 9,000 stores. They were booming back in 2000. They were all the rage. They even expanded their stores to sell more snacks to go with the videos, toys for little kids, all kind of stuff. They sold more videos. Or, or rented more videos. You know, you go in there with a Blockbuster card and you see this, this guy or girl wearing a blue shirt that said Blockbuster on it, and you got the videos you wanted, and you took them home and watched them, and then you brought them back, and you didn't have to buy a video. You could pay a couple of dollars and rent a video. Well, Netflix came on the scene with the same concept of watching videos at home, except they were going to do it electronically through the Internet. And they would, at first, they would send videos. And you could rent a video for a couple hours or for, I think, two days. You rented a video and you watch it and then it went away. You didn't have to buy the video. Well, when 
Netflix first started out, the founder of that, Reed Hastings, went to John Antioco, who was head of Blockbuster, and said, I want to join with you. Let's merge together. And the Blockbuster CEO laughed him out of the building, threw him out. We don't want nothing to do with that. We're going to rent videos. How many Blockbuster stores do you see today? You know what happened to Blockbuster? They went bankrupt. Why? Because they wouldn't change. We don't rent videos anymore. Uh, you see them at yard sales now, and you can't hardly give them away. Why? Because you could stream everything online, like through Netflix, who's the biggest online streamer of videos in the market today. Well, what happened to Blockbuster? They weren't willing to change with the times. Both companies had the same goal, that is to get videos into your home. But one changed with the times. Listen, we got the same message. We're still trying to get the gospel into people's hearts. But how we do that has got to change. We've got to stay relevant with the culture that we live in. We don't change the message we just changed the envelope. And that's our goal. Here's our connection. Engage is a strategic plan to help us reach Jesus' goal to make disciples of the whole world. You go back and look at the passage, that was his goal. Go make disciples of all nations. That's what he said. We have to have that desire and we have to create that culture in our church that has a desire to take the hope of Jesus to the whole world. Because again, I say we know that hope changes everything. And if you look at this plan and you learn more and more about this plan, you're going to see there's nothing earth-shattering. There's no magic bullet to do it. It's going to take hard work of the people in our church to reach out to other people and become intentional, intentional about getting the message of Jesus out to the world. How are we going to do that? That's what this plan is all about. And you'll learn more on the 29th about the specifics of it. You know, I read recently about the, uh, the bicycle team of, uh, of Great Britain for the Olympics. And there's a coach that they hired. His name was Dave... Brailsford. I think they hired him somewhere around 2003. And when Brailsford come in, Britain had won one gold medal in 100 years. Since 1903, they had won one gold medal in bicycling. And he came in and began to work. And they said, what are you going to do? And he said, we're going to get better in every area. Anything that has to do with the bicycle. Uh, the tires on the bicycle, the seat on the bicycle, the frame of the bicycle, uh, uh, the clothes that you wear when you ride the bicycle, how you ride the bicycle, we're going to get a little bit better in every area. His motto was, we're going to get 1% better in everything that has to do with riding a bicycle. At the time he came in, the major bicycle companies in Britain wouldn't even sell bicycles to the team because they didn't want their name affiliated with the Britain team. They were so bad. But in 2008, just five years after he showed up, they had gotten 1% better in so many areas that they won 60 medals in bicycling at the Olympics in 2008. 
And in 2012, they set 12 Olympic records and 9 world records in bicycling. All because they looked at all the areas and they got a little bit better in every area. And that's what we're asking our church to do. And we hope you'll go with us on this journey as we seek to engage Jesus better and Bristol better and the next generation better so that we can take the gospel message out to this lost and dying world that so desperately needs to know Jesus. Remember the words of Jesus. Go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And then the last part, and I will be with you even to the end of the age. Jesus has promised to go with us as we seek to make these disciples. So church, let's get ready for the ride because we are going to engage. Let's pray. God, I thank you today for Jesus' words. He, he didn't hold back anything. He told us what the goal was. He wants to make disciples of the whole world. And Lord, you've invited us to be part of that. And God forbid that we let our guard down and we don't do our part. So as we go forward, we want to engage your son. We want to engage our community. We want to engage the next generation so that we bring more and more people along on this journey where we're all striving to become devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. So help us as we go forward and be with each and every one of us as we commit our lives to follow you. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, I pray and praise today. Amen.